From a studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. Now, here's your host and bud tender, Gary Johnston. Has it really been seven days since we last communicated? Wow. Those weeks are going by so fast these days. It'll be better when spring finally comes to our area of the continent, because boy, it is sure a long time coming. Welcome back to the Cannabis Podcast. This is episode number 14. If you are joining us for the first time, I'm glad you stopped by. Hopefully you'll find some information that's useful for you and you'll be back for more. As we get ready for a couple of things, I'm getting ready for my bud tender position. And also, just to increase my cannabis knowledge, episode 14 is kind of going to begin a new phase for us, a new education phase for the podcast. So along with the terpenes that we've covered, and we will continue to cover the terpenes because we know how important they are, but I'm diving into a cannabis education program now, and I'm going to share little bits of that knowledge with you as that education progresses. So how about we go back to the basics today? We're going to start today with a closer look at the endocannabinoid system, or ECS, and how the cannabinoid receptors in our body are designed to extract the maximum benefit from cannabis. Really quite fascinating, and more fascinating, the deeper I dive. Also, I snuck in another order from the BC Cannabis Store, just in time to do another cultivar corner this week. Up for examination today is a gram of what is purported to be high THC indica called Subway Scientist from Riff. Plus, we'll take a look at the story that we have been waiting for ever since legalization was announced October 17th. And that is, what is the government going to do for all of those Canadians that have possession charges or possession convictions? They have finally done something this week. And in fact, the story came out today. We'll chat about that. The availability of pardons for simple possession of cannabis. That's one of the stories we'll cover. And... Since the information just came out as we were getting this particular episode prepared, we're going to revisit the BC retail landscape for cannabis. Two additional stores were added this week, and we will do a review of the entire province and see where all 13 stores are. Let's get started with episode 14 of the Cannabis Podcast. One of the first things I wanted to take a look at today was some of the news stories about cannabis that have occurred in the last week. Of course, here in Canada, with legalization happening on October 17th, we've been waiting for the government to make a further move and get rid of all those petty little possession charges that so many people in Canada suffered over the last 40, 50 years. And it's finally here. Now, whether it's good enough to satisfy all of us, that's still a debatable point, but let's give you the details and we can think about that. Here's a headline from CBC from today, March 1st. Liberals move to grant pardons for old pot possession convictions. So the Liberal government is moving on its plan to grant fast, free pardons for Canadians, thank goodness they're free, <laughs> who were convicted of pot possession before the drug was legalized last fall. It's called Bill C-93. It was tabled in the House of Commons on Friday, and it amends the Criminal Records Act the CRA, and aims to break down barriers to employment, housing, or travel for Canadians with a criminal record for pot. Public Safety Minister Ralph Goodale says on the CBC story that he hopes the bill will pass into law by summer. A quote from him, We believe it's good public policy to remove roadblocks to the successful reintegration of previous offenders, 
who have fully served their sentences, especially after such major renovations of the laws as occurred with Bill C-45 last fall, he said. The Cannabis Act, which legalized and regulated the possession, cultivation, and distribution of marijuana, of course came into force October 17th of 2018. Normally the fee for a pardon is $631, and that will be waived under this bill. The 5- to 10-year waiting period to apply for a pardon is also going to be waived. Border Security and Organized Crime Reduction Minister Bill Blair said research indicates as many as 400,000 Canadians have criminal records for simple possession, but the government expects between 70 and 80,000 are eligible to apply. He said the criminal record is disproportionate to the offense and has significant and life-lasting impact on the person. Now, to the point of is this enough, and this is a discussion that will go on for a while, I am sure, I've seen much discussion on Twitter and in various other social media forums saying that a pardon is simply not enough. And in fact, the NDP is saying, no, record suspensions are not enough. They are calling for expungements of the record. And asked why the government did not opt for expungement, which would erase all records of the conviction, Minister Goodale said expungements are the option when a law is deemed unconstitutional and should never have been on the books. Well, quite frankly, folks, it should never have been on the books. <laughs> so why is this a discussion point? Especially when we talk about what we're going to be talking about later in this episode, the endocannabinoid system and how <laughs> how it has been a force of nature for more than 500 million years. And yet because cannabis was made illegal in North America in the 1920s and 30s, we or some people, <laughs> notice that subtle little shift there, some people have possession charges that now they can ask for a pardon for, but I'm in agreement with everybody who is saying it. They should be expunged. The law should never have been on the books, and there's no reason why anybody should still have a criminal record for simple possession of this marvelous little plant. That's my opinion on it anyways. What's yours? You're always willing to share your opinion with us, of course. Send us a note to info at CannabisPodcast.com. Love to hear what you're thinking about both the podcast itself and any of the stories that we cover. So there's our first look at the news on the pardons now coming up for old pot possession convictions. From the cannabis-infused studio in the clouds, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Well, since we just had cannabis infusion mentioned, let's talk about how cannabis gets infused into our bodies. Okay, that perhaps wasn't the strongest segue because that's not actually how cannabis gets into our bodies. It's not infused. But regardless, it's a good opportunity to bring up the topic of the endocannabinoid system. And the more and more I discover about the endocannabinoid system, the more fascinated I am and the more I wonder why it has taken our modern society so long to figure out that this cannabis plant has so many beneficial properties to it. In fact... <laughs> Our bodies were built for it, a.k.a. the endocannabinoid system. So the endocannabinoid system is involved with the regulation of appetite, pain, memory, mood, and movement in the human body. The cannabinoid receptors, CB1 and CB2, are located in the brain as well as throughout the human body. In fact, scientists believe that the endocannabinoid system has been conserved in living organisms for more than 500 million years. I think it was a sea snail that was first identified as containing the endocannabinoid system. 500 million years, seriously? 
And somehow the people in North America decided in the 1920s and 30s that, that the people at 480 million years before them had no idea. I mean, seriously, why, why was this plant ever made illegal in our society? I have no idea. The endocannabinoid system affects a wide variety of biological processes, including appetite and sleep, but its main function is to regulate homeostasis. Now, homeostasis is extremely important when it comes to the biology of all living things. Homeostasis is the ability to maintain stable internal conditions that are needed for survival or optimal health. Disease in its simplest form is merely a result of some aspect of or inability of the body to achieve homeostasis. Cannabinoids. Cannabinoids. It's a, it's a great word, and, and they are so beneficial. Cannabinoids have been proven to provide assistance in battling against the effects of brain trauma, spinal cord injury, and strokes. How do they do this, you may be asking yourself? Well, they do it by interrupting the uptake of neurotransmitters that drive the progression of various diseases. The endocannabinoid system works by sending one neutron to another. Cannabis and the CB1 receptor have been found useful for anxiety and stress, an increase in euphoria and feeling of happiness, a decrease in convulsions and tremors, and coping with chronic pain. The CB2 receptors in cannabis, well, they've been found to be positive and have positive effects for decreasing cancer cells, boosting the immune system, coping with Alzheimer's disease. The human body not only has CB1 and CB2 receptors internally, but they're also found on the skin which explains why the topical cannabis applications, if properly prepared, can have a profound effect on the human body. Phytocannabinoids are contained within plants. THC and CBD are two types of phytocannabinoids. Endocannabinoids are found in the human body naturally. They are anandamine and 2-AG. Those are both endocannabinoids. Now, I'm not going to dive into all of the science here because it is a fairly deep dive. And while it's worth identifying that information from the perspective of the Cannabis Podcast, that's way too deep of a dive. <laughs> we want to keep things at a slightly higher level. So let me conclude this discussion on the endocannabinoid system by saying that it is one of the most interesting systems found in the human body. As we learn more about this system, there is a greater interest in its therapeutic value. The many undesirable side effects that opiate-based medicines can cause have become so burdensome for many patients and with today's opioid crisis. I am so glad to see the focus finally turning towards cannabis as a possible way out for those people who are on opioids. It's likely in the coming years you're going to see pharmaceutical corporations exploiting the many medicinal applications that cannabinoids can be prescribed for. Of course, we point out the good and... <laughs> they got to come in and take that away and try to make money off of it. It never fails to amaze me. Just like the endocannabinoid system never fails to amaze me. And as we continue on with the podcast and the education, we're going to talk about a few of the very specific things that are occurring with that system and some of the various cultivars of cannabis and the terpene profiles applicable to that cultivar. I was doing some research on some studies that are happening now in relation to cancer and that cannabis has been determined, especially high CBD has been determined, to literally stop the formation of metastasis in breast cancer. Some fascinating things coming up. That is a brief look at the endocannabinoid system. If you want to get more, you can find that by doing your own research. Try Mr. Google. 
Or you can check out the Wikipedia link located beneath the episode back on CannabisPodcast.com. THC, CBD, terpene profiles, what's in me? Oh, please explain to me. Cultivar Corner, Cultivar Corner, oh yeah. Cultivar Corner, please explain this stuff to me. I still like that new jingle. This is Cultivar Corner for episode number 14. And this week... Where do they come up with some of these names? I mean, some of the cultivar names make sense. Lemon Haze, you kind of figure you know what you're going to get what that one has. <laughs> this one, I'm not too sure. Here's what we are looking at today on Cultivar Corner. This is from Riff, and it is called Subway Scientist. And I have one gram package in front of me. We're going to pop this together. I haven't done that for a while. The BC Cannabis Duty Stamp is still on top of it. Let's rip the top. Aha! The top has been ripped. The stamp has been broken. And I'm really curious about this one because it's in a little uh, envelope, just a gram, and it feels really dry inside of that. So I'm not sure what I'm going to experience when I open it. Let's see. Oh, yeah, this is one of those tough ones to pop to. <laughs> I don't know if you've experienced that. There, I finally broke it open. <laughs> Some of these plastic ones are really hard to open up. Okay, there's some, some odor there. Not sure exactly what I'm smelling out of that. I'm going to pop it out and take a peek at it and see what we got. And we just got some crumble. Like, oh, I'm talking real crumble here, folks. Wow. There is barely a bud that is still a bud in this subway scientist, so I can't say I'm terribly impressed with that, but I did kind of figure that out even before I opened this package. You could just kind of feel that there's not a lot of big, huge bud in here. It feels like just a whole bunch of almost shake. So the first initial signs are not necessarily too good on this one. And second impression, this stuff is really, really dry. Like, <laughs> uh, you can't even pick it up before it crumbles in your fingers. I've got a gram sitting in front of me that is basically just all crush. <laughs> Hard to tell much. As soon as I pick some of it up, the rest of it just falls. <laughs> Let me give you the rundown of what BC Cannabis Store says about Subway Scientist. Featuring the Indica Granddaddy Purple, created as a cross between Purple Yerkel and Big Bud. The flowers are a deep purple hue, with white crystal trichomes. Berry aromas and flavors are prominent. Well, maybe when it was first packaged, they were. Once again, I gotta say, the flavor and the aroma are definitely not coming through. I can barely see any purple in this. Of course, it's pretty hard when it's crushed on a piece of paper in front of you to see any real colors. When was this packaged? This was packaged on... Oh, there you go. June 7th of 2018. That might be one of the reasons why we're finding it so dry. I don't think that our cannabis can last that long. I'm sitting in these little plastic containers. Wow. This is probably... This almost goes back to the ocean view. Almost as dry as that stuff. So there's the description of it. Let me give you the rest of the lowdown on what 
Subway Scientist is all about. It's produced in Ontario. The brand is Riff, R-I-F-F. The producer is Afria Incorporated. It is an Indica dominant. They're suggesting the THC range runs between 15 and 25 percent, the estimated potency. The actual potency of what I got, the package indicates that it is 0.54% for the decarboxylized buds, or rather the pre-decarboxylation. And with that decarboxylation, the total THC sitting at 20.20%, so that's one of the higher THCs. Generally, I like that. CBD range is almost non-existent. It's sitting in the 0% range. The method of consumption is inhalation. The growing method was in a greenhouse. The harvesting method was hand-harvested. And that may have had an impact when they initially harvested this. But this sucker has been sitting in this little plastic container since June of last year. And it did not weather well. Wow. And the proof is in the pudding. Although I didn't actually make any pudding, but I did weigh it. (laughs) So when I put this one gram on my scale, it doesn't come to one gram. I've even added a paper to it after rolling the joint, put it back on the scale. And it still comes up to just 0.9 of a gram. So... That does indicate that the statement on these packages, which says, Store in cool, dry conditions. No expiry date has been determined for dried cannabis based on stability data. I think it's time to update the stability data. (laughs) While this may not be expired, it sure is not primo cannabis. But said joint is rolled. Let's see if Subway Scientist at least has 20% THC from an Indica perspective. Let's see if it at least has a big bang. Now, in terms of the taste, am I getting anything of what they talked about in that read-up? Granddaddy purple, the tastes are supposed to be berry, aromas and flavors are prominent. And again, I have to say, if, if this is supposed to be full of berries and flavor of aroma... I'm getting nothing. Tastes all right. The ash, the ash is all white. So no real concerns there, but so I've had two hits so far. And here comes number three, and let's see if that starts to. Induce a nice body stone, which is kind of what I would like off of this one. Hmm. Beginning, starting to feel those happy eyes. And it is definitely going more into a body stone. So let's look at the terpene profile for Subway Scientist. I don't, re- I don't remember the cultivar name because it's a bizarre name. Terpenes, of course, are the chemicals created and stored in the trichomes. And it is the combination of the cannabinoids and the terpenes which gives our cannabis its taste, its aroma, and its effect. The three predominant terpenes in this particular cultivar. Caryophylline is the highest. That's running at 38 to 97 percent. Well, that's a pretty widespread. The myrcene, not unusual to find that because this is an indica. Myrcene at 22 to 41 percent. And the limonene is somewhere between 11 and 16 percent in terms of the terpene profile. That's what you're looking at for a subway scientist. Yeah, it is a body stone. I'm kind of feeling it now as it settles in. My mind isn't racing, so it's certainly not a whole lot of sativa. There's not a lot of pinene in here. 
the myrcene and the caryophyllines definitely seem to be the most predominant, but I'm not getting much of the... I'm really not getting much of the smell. There's no berries. Hmm. Bit of a disappointment, I have to say. This was only seven ninety nine a gram. He says only seven ninety nine a gram in comparison to the thirteen ninety nine a gram that we did last week. So there you go. That is Subway Scientist, an indica dominant from Riff, which is by Afria. And hmm, let's see, where am I going to come down on this one? Really not impressed with the product. Yeah, certainly, at least after having been set in the cupboard for, in the box for who knows how long. Something packaged on June of 2018, unpackaged on March 1st of 2019, and it did not fare well. And Cultivar Corner today, that is our look at a very disappointing subway scientist from Afria. THC, CBD, terpene profiles, what's in me? Oh, please explain to me. Go to our corner, go to our corner, oh yeah. Go to our corner, please explain this stuff to me. To wrap up today's show, I want to take a look at the BC retail landscape. You've heard me complaining about it ever since we started the podcast back in December. I've been complaining about it ever since October 17th and legalization happened and there were no stores open anywhere at that time except in Kamloops. Now there are 13 approved retail private licenses to sell cannabis in the province. 13 it has taken since October 17th. And they come so slowly, like it has been two weeks since the last one. And I thought it was time that we recap, give you a sense of where all of the private stores are. And they are distributed all over the province, and they're getting a teensy bit closer to the Okanagan. The first store, first retail store, because they start out with license numbers starting in the 45,000 range. Actually, it's 450,000 is where the licenses start. And number one goes to Tamarack Cannabis Boutique in Kimberley, B.C. Congratulations to them. Still trying to get one of them to come on to have an interview, but I'm perhaps giving up on that idea. Also, the second license, and I find this just interesting, that the second license was also in Kimberley, and that was Earth's Own Naturals Limited. The third license from the B.C. government was to Pouscoupe, to a store called Weed Mart in Pouscoupe, or Pouscoupe, however you would prefer to say it. And then we went for a number of weeks, there were no stores, and then suddenly, bam, 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 there were three licenses that were released in Vancouver. One of them was for Evergreen Cannabis, and then there was two licenses for City Cannabis Company. The Evergreen Cannabis was on 4th Avenue, the City Cannabis, they're on Fraser Street and on Robson Street. Again, we waited a couple more weeks, and then suddenly, bam, here was another one, and that was Trail, the Higher Path, a store that's open at Trail. Another couple of weeks, Port Hardy was released, Stellar J Organics, that's the retail store in Port Hardy, which has the B.C. government's approval. In Castlegar, the Higher Path is there, and that was just announced a couple of weeks ago, as was, at the same time, Invermere. And in Invermere, it's a place called Blooming World Cannabis. And then, <laughs> this one I find just irritating, because Kamloops was the first city in the province to have a B.C. government cannabis store. Well... Kamloops also now has a retail license approved for a private cannabis store. And that is the Shore Cannabis Shop, which I suspect would be on the North Shore in Kamloops. 
And then today, this was probably a couple of weeks after the Kamloops announcement, today I had seen a tweet earlier that kind of made me think that it was coming. I checked, the update hadn't been made, but now it has. Two new stores or two new licenses announced today. The first is for Green Canoe Cannabis. They are in Salmon Arm, which is much closer to the Okanagan, just a little north of us. And finally, Starbuds in Dawson Creek. The first Starbuds in BC now has their license, and I know they are planning to go into a lot of different locations. In fact, I believe Lake Country is one of their destinations, but still no license released for that store. So there is the update on the BC retail landscape. Now a total of 12, no, I'm sorry, 13 stores, 13 private stores. And they're now talking about additional BC government stores. Let me actually, before before I leave this, let me go back and check that particular website because that is a different area of checking for the government cannabis stores. And interestingly enough, to check on that fact, you have to put in your birth date. I know that makes sense on some of these sites, but a lot of them it sure doesn't. And there are no additional BC government cannabis stores that are currently on the plate or at least being released to the public. So there is your update. We now have 13 stores, 13 private stores. They're getting closer. And then, of course, we also have a number of stores across the province that are operating on Indigenous land, the Indigenous Bloom stores. There's a store in Chilliwack. There's one just outside of Kelowna in Lake Country. And I think they're playing another one in Williams Lake as well. So the landscape for retail cannabis is changing across our country, however glacially that change may be occurring. And that kind of brings us to the end of episode 14 of the Cannabis Podcast. I can probably find something else to bring up for Cultivar Corner for next week. We'll also carry down on the education path, take a peek at perhaps some of the information that I was diving into and how cannabis is being used in some research on cancer cancer cures, cancer reductions, all those sorts of things. So that's probably one of the pieces we'll dive into next week as well. Once more, if you have anybody that you think we should be talking to, please send us a note at info at cannabispodcast.com. We'll try and get them lined up and have a conversation with them about cannabis. And that, my friends, brings us to the end of episode 14 of the Cannabis Podcast. From the Cannabis Infused Studio, high above the Okanagan Valley... This was the Cannabis Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out A Major Journey today on all major podcast platforms.